Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits. This week, Idris Elba, celebrated for Luther, The Wire, and playing Nelson Mandela, a DJ too. He's also turned his hand to wine, partnering with a friend, David Farber, to release a suite of wines that have been well-received by the critics. He joins me to launch Series 12 of The Drinking Hour. To the seasoned aficionado, the launch of another celebrity cuvee might struggle to raise more than a murmur. But then most celebrities are not Idris Elba, world famous for his roles in The Wire, Luther and as Nelson Mandela in The Long Walk to Freedom. And most celebrity wines are not Port Noir, a range, Idris calls it a cabinet, initially inspired by a visit to the Songer vineyard in Champagne, which has been a training ground for the Champenoise. That range, or cabinet, includes a first-class vintage Champagne, an excellent non-vintage stablemate uh, that have been really well-received by the critics, including Jancis, no less. Uh, not something that's a given for a wine with a celebrity endorsement. Perhaps it's because Idris Elba has chosen to become more involved than most in the development of his Port Noir range, which comes with a discreet signature on the label rather than his name emblazoned on the bottle. It's also worth saying that he was somewhat ahead of the pack in having his own wine range and it's been carefully curated with his business partner David Farber, a Venus veteran. The range also has a Provence Rosé, and no doubt to capitalise on the seemingly insatiable demand for all things pink, the pair have just launched a new Rosé Champagne to complement the Port Noir range. It made its debut at the swanky Mayfair night spot Tramp. I'll have my own verdict on the Putty Port Rosé uh, at the end of our chat. But first, uh, let's hear from Uh, them both. I began our chat by asking Idris what had inspired him to get into wine. 
It's a great question. I mean, for as long as I've, you know, had a taste, wine has been the last to mature. I grew up, you know, drinking beer and spirits and wines were just a little bit more sophisticated for my taste palette. And then into my 20s, when I moved to New York, that's where it's sort of, you know, these incredible bars, incredible, you know, um, bar, bar staff that know their alcohol, know their drink and, and, and really relish sort of getting you to taste something you've never tasted before. And that's where it kicked off for me in New York. So that's going back well into the late 90s. Uh, and then, you know, over time, I've, yeah, started to, you know, definitely um, acquire a taste and, it, you know, more of a red wine man than anything. And then this opportunity about seven years ago to actually become an, an owner and a partner in a, in a champagne was just like, wow. And since then, I think I've sort of expanded my, my taste palette. Yeah, so just talk us through how it came about, how you teamed up uh, with David. So David and I had a mutual acquaintance who um, introduced us and uh, we got on like House of Fire and he said, look, you know, there's a school in Champagne, it's called There are the students there are fans of yours, they'd love you to come and visit if you'd like. Have you ever been to Champagne? I'm like, no, it sounds amazing. Yes, I'd love to come. And I took my my girlfriend at the time which is now my wife and we went on this date and we drove Paris and then on to Champagne and David met us there and we just had this most incredible day you know it was a real day of sort of learning meeting the students understanding the history the history of Sangier of course is like a really rich beautiful history having sort of you know that region being flattened in the second world war and the champagne of region, uh, the, the region of Champagne was especially obliterated, and you know all but the school survived. You know, um, and that school's history was like fascinating to hear. And so we spent the day. They took me to the cellars. They taught me how to, you know, um, how the grapes were processed, how they planted the the, the vines, certain angle the soil, the weather. I mean, it was a full day of education and drinking and eating cheese. Mm -hmm. And on my way out, leaving, they were like, hey, would you like your own cuvee? And I, and I naturally thought it was more like, would you like a few bottles to take home? And they were like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. We, we would like you to have your own cuvee. We, we think it'd be a special thing. You name it, do what you want of it. So that's the history. Wow, and that was a surprise at the time. It was a great surprise. I mean, and you know, it took me a, you know, a couple of weeks to discuss with David, like, what does that mean exactly? What do you mean I can have my own champagne? But it was like a real blessing. And, and for the last seven years, we've sort of nurtured this relationship with the school, uh, who was still very involved with the brand and you know, keen to see how we uh, represent because it's a true partnership. Their logo is on the bottle. Yeah, yeah, and, and David, uh, talk us through how you kind of approached this because you, you must have obviously mindful of uh, Idris's name and, and reputation. You must have thought about this very carefully. Uh, that's the type of opportunity where you don't actually think too much. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's actually uh, sounded very very exciting. I knew I knew Sanger very well. Uh, I knew their products, uh, their champagnes, uh, which I admired uh, for, for for over a decade. You know, I've been working with them, and then I found the project super exciting. Uh, Idris had a clear vision in terms of 
product marketing etc we had the product we had the vision you know everything was was there for for a really good story basically and talking of stories it's no exaggeration to say that that this um, kind of had a pretty pivotal role in kind of saving the art of champagne Co correct because if you look at the location geographically of champagne it's really between germany and France. So during the, the, the World War, they really suffered a lot. And, and I believe that currently 80% of the chef de cave, the current chef de cave in the different champagne houses have uh, learned, have, have went through Songer, uh, through the Lycée Viticole Davis. So yeah, they, they, they've, they've been instrumental in, in keeping the expertise of the champagne making. And Idris, presumably that uh, rich history uh, was really key to the kind of provenance to the story for you yeah i mean yeah there's you know a real ethos to the brand which is about having a great story telling a great story i love to tell the story of how i ended up with a champagne because it's it's got a bit of romance uh it's got a bit of you know good luck an opportunity and and when you're sharing you know a good story over a nice glass of champagne or any wine you know what i mean it just parts to comes part of the communal and 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 the and the and the vibe i guess so that story is rich and makes me proud to be a part of that team and that school and the students picked me you know the students wanted to meet me and that's why i was there so now it's definitely the master story that we relate to for this brand and how did you choose actually david this is probably most relevant uh, to you initially how did you choose what that first product was going to be actually we went there with idris and uh, uh, together and we tried all their cuvee uh, and the, the the interesting thing at sanger because they're teaching the students they're teaching them to do every style of champagne so they, they had a blanc de noir some blanc de blanc some vintage non-vintage grand cru etc <clears throat> and and basically idris preferred the best champagne they had, basically, which was a Blanc de Blanc Grand Cru Vintage. I said, oh, that's my favorite one. I said, well, that's my favorite one too. Uh, but so the, the, the choice of the first product, which was our Grand, Blanc de Blanc Grand Cru Vintage, uh, was actually quite easy. We, 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 we based on one of their cuvées, we selected some cuves, uh, they made a, a special uh, one on the next vintage for us, and, and, and that was it, yeah. That tasting must have be been a, a, quite a special moment then for you, given where you are now with the brand. I mean, it, it is, it was at the time, you know, I was sort of like just, you know, oh, this is nice, oh, this is nice, you know, a lot less, lot less uh, understanding of what I was actually choosing, you know, the actual flavor profile of a brand that is now seven years in, you know, so, uh, so it remains a really good memory uh, for me but also I learned a lot uh, at that time and what was um, key to you in terms of uh, having your name on a bottle associated with a, a product yeah, what, what was driving you in terms of what that product should be there's two factors one you know being a young man from East London not coming from much and you know having this incredible celebrated career and by students in Champagne I wanted to have something that had a great story. The one something to um, people could aspire towards. You know, it's you know the vintage is a really good vintage. I mean, I'm sure when I said I like this one, they were like, <gasps> because they were like, well, we've only got a few of those, but oh, well, we said it now, uh, and they really have given us something very, very 
rich and deserving of a profile like the one that we could give the champagne and have given it. You know, champagne for me is not just about celebration, it's about aspiration. It's about that moment of, well, I can make it. And when I do, I'm going to open that bowl. That taste just needs to feel good. It needs to be satisfying. It needs to be well considered. When you wait so long to get there, when you crack it open, it just needs to have a really sort of um, uh, worthwhile flavor and taste, you know? And not one that has, you know, residue of just sort of, I don't know how how to really explain it, but not one that gives you too much in your mouth that it's overwhelming, something that's crisp, Mm -hmm. fresh, Something that was easy to drink a few glasses. Yeah, well, it's it's all of those things. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. elegant. It's it's restrained, as mm. you say. It's gastronomic. It, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a beautiful champagne. And and the did you ever imagine that you'd have your name on a bottle of champagne? I'm I'm guessing not. No, I didn't. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no I didn't. And actually, you know, Port Noir is Port Noir. That's the name. But to put my name on it was a bit of a later decision. It was like it. You know, it just felt like you should sign it. I was like, what? Why should I sign it? It's just like, well, this is your selection. Yeah. You know, put your name on it and your name is recognizable. And, you know, it's a bit of a collector's, you know, in that sense. Um, You've gone for a very subtle way of doing it, though, haven't you? Because your name is on the bottle, but it's kind of not your brand. Um, it's a... Uh, You've chosen a, a sort of well, a, a lot of people would say very classy way of doing it, but but you've chosen a very subtle way of doing that, haven't you? That that was that was kind of key, was it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we wanted to just you know lean away from being a vanity project, and it, you know it's not a vanity project, and we just signed it, just let the you know the 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 taster know that this is a selection from my heart. Um, there's a great story behind it, and it's just a little signature on on, on the bottom of the label, but. You know, and and that was good enough for me. I didn't want to make a big deal of my name, and that extends all the way to the to the marketing of the product. You know, we I'm not a grip and grin guy mm-hmm. so much with the product. Um, we like the idea of people to to discover it, and when they do discover it, there's probably a story attached to why they discovered it, how they discovered it, and that's what you know. You know, rather than sort of you know, it just told me to drink this, so I thought I'd give it a try. But they hear the podcast and go, huh, I didn't know that. I've been to Sam Champagne. I might get that bottle. Yeah. And the name Port Noir, how did you come up with that? Because you, you have been, uh, you didn't, you've been very involved in this from the get go, haven't you? Yeah. No, we, 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 but it's been a team. It's not, you know, David says I had the, the vision, but I think it was a vision that we sort of matured together. Mike, I have a few companies in my business um, that are attached to doorways. So Green Door Production Company was my first production company. And it was designed to look at inclusivity for underrepresented writers, voices, cultures and whatnot. So that was Green Door. And then I've got a record label called Seven Wallace. And Seven Wallace is an address, again, a doorway. Um, and it was a doorway when I moved back from America to England. I lived at Seven Wallace. So, yeah, you get it, right? There's this mm-hmm. doorway, keys, doorways, and Port Noir. Well, I guess, you know, the truth is, is that as a black man, as a, as a Anglo black, I'm the first black champagne owner in this country. And... And not in a world, because there are others, but it felt like to represent that in the title of the doorway, as in it's a doorway through. We've passed that threshold. 
I'm maybe the first, but not the last. And, you know, that, that felt like sort of a, a way to market. Yeah, and you would hope to encourage others yeah. like you, presumably. Yeah, well, definitely there's there's a real community of, of you know, Afro, Afro-Caribbean wine producers now that's growing. Um, and, uh, yeah, to be a part of that community feels great as well. Mm. And, uh, Dave, the, the, the product itself, you know, clearly it was really important to Idris that it was it was really good obviously it's going to be really important to you that it was really good but you you must have felt a quite a weight of responsibility in this the first thing Idris told me when the project started to become a bit serious was David you know if there's my if I put my name behind something we, we need to make absolutely sure that the, the products are perfect I don't want to back up anything that's uh, not up there so yes the, the, and, and you know I, I, I love champagne I love wine so for me it was important too not, not for the same <laughs> reasons but so yeah the, the selection of the product we, we wanted something pristine also because having a celebrity, na- a celebrity name attached to a product is opening a lot of doors it can also be a dual hedge sword because if uh, you know you do anything wrong it's going to be under scrutiny straight away so we, we really want uh, and, and also because we want to advertise, promote uh, the, the wine producers, the champagne uh, producers. So, you know, we, we, we want to put them in the, and, under the right lights, basically. Mm. And you're not going big volume here either. You're going for, for um, a, 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 a small masterpiece rather than a, a, a big shelf filler, aren't you? C- uh, yes, correct. Uh, again, this is uh, the, you know, maybe one of the reasons why the quality of the product is there is because you know, it's a small, very controlled production. Uh, there's a little bit more of the petit of the of the petit port, our non-vintage uh, blanc de blanc grand cru. Uh, where there's one or two other products where we might have a bit more uh, volume, but same. Where really the quality of the products is is, is the first uh, criteria of choice for us. Yeah, and Idris, you were keen to have a, a, a kind of non-vintage in the, the portfolio, a, 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 a slightly more accessible price point, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the accessibility to champagne and sort of changing the landscape of that. You know, growing up, you know, going for a bottle of champagne myself was like breaking the bank, but it was worth it. It was a big ce- uh, celebration. But I wanted to bring that threshold down a little bit with the uh, Blanc de and It's a really good one uh-huh. for... The price point it is, and I think we pride ourselves on that. And as we extend the cabinet out, we hope to, you know, replicate really good quality liquid, but at a price point that's, you know, you know, in reach. Uh, David mentioned the uh, hinted at the kind of um, uh, how carefully you have to be. There's a degree of scepticism about celebrity endorsed products. Um, how does that play in in your mind? And most celebrities said that I did it first, but I kind of was at the beginning of the cycle, you know, seven years ago, where we, you know, we didn't do much marketing and the champagne, you know, still doesn't have that sort of marketing arm to it. And partly to do with that, we just want people to discover it and taste it for what it is. The fact that it's me, great, but it's not a, it's not a drawing, which is, uh, it's a, a, a opposing to most celebrity brands that definitely lean into their celebrity to sell more volume. But also as well, you know, I think that sometimes celebrity culture can be distracting. It's just a good wine. It's just good. Uh, it just so happens that, you know, I have a story behind the ownership of it, but it, it's not the selling factor. Mm. I want people to go, this is really good. I wonder where it comes from. Oh, Idris Elba? 
that's a great discovery to me. Jancis Robinson, uh, master of wine, OBE, doyen of the wine world. She uh, she wrote that she was uh, somewhat skeptical, which was you know, uh, you would expect about uh, what she called a rash of celebrity endorsed wines. Uh, she then went on to describe this as. Uh, this is your uh, launch, this is your vintage product. The, uh, this would have been the 2010, I'm guessing, that she was talking about. Yeah, as thrillingly good. I mean, you must have been thrillingly chuffed at that point. Oh, I'm um, unbelievable. I mean, you know, and, and people are quite rightly sceptical about the you know liquid being endorsed by a celebrity because usually that's a transactional positioning. But with that endorsement coming from someone that has that real respected opinion and sort of really... You know, I think the way that came about, it wasn't even like we forced it upon her. She was just like, okay, we give it a try. And she did. And she was just genuine about her reaction towards it. It really blew us away, you know? I mean, he was he was like, yo, <laughs> I was, you know, oh, that's good. But no, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, but it, it was really a really nice way to celebrate something. You know, we didn't have the hard push. We weren't pushing this celebrity culture. Someone really liked the wine and they told the world. Mm. And she's, you know, the most famous person in wine in the world. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say. So you must have been uh, dead chuffed after all the, the work that had gone into it, David. Uh, yes, no, uh, that was an endorsement that we couldn't have, uh, we, we couldn't have wished for more. Uh, she's, she's respected and, as you said, mostly like people from the wine industry, the sommelier might might have a more negative uh, approach to um, to celebrity name wine so having her stating that the product is amazing was, was just like a, a a very good feedback i bet it was yeah um you idris you, you um obviously have a um a, a really um sort of successful uh relationship with, with david you must there must there's a huge amount of trust you have to put in in him with your name, albeit subtle, your name is still on the bottle. It's still very much associated with you. So there's a, there's a huge amount of trust you're putting in him, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, David has been really generous with his knowledge. You know, he will always encourage me to taste for myself. It wasn't like, you know, this is great. You know, uh, he was definitely wanting me to have a more educated understanding of what we're doing here. Uh, but the trust is you know, obvious. Um, it's also just a nice way to do business when you, you know, he's the expert, you know, and I learn and, but the, together there's a real sort of, you know, sort of really caring bond around the juice and the growth of the juice. And sometimes, you know, we, we don't get on, <laughs> but that's rare, very rare. I'm the grumpy French. <laughs> It don't seem too grumpy to me. Um, not with the success this 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 product's in, enjoyed. So, how have you kind of talked? As you say, David is, is has the wine background, but you have the the the, the, the enthusiasm, the drive. How have you talked about how you extend the brand to to, to other wine products? You know, when we started, didn't think that the brand could have an extension plan you know it was like well we'll just sell until we run out and say that was great and those who had one can celebrate in a story but what we realized is actually there were so many really good producers there that have these very small 
volumes, have these great stories and have a little bit of a footprint when they should, could have a wider footprint. And, you know, it sort of leans in, if I'm honest, to some of the work I've done around diversity and inclusion in the film and television industry. I've always felt like, you know, you know, talent is everywhere, opportunity is not. And how do we get this talent here and spread it? So that's where the sort of expansion of, a, of the Port Noir cabinet has really sort of taken legs and it's really exciting. And our first extension was definitely the rosé that we have, Provence rosé. Really, really good liquid, really good producer, great story behind the family, family owned um, uh, vineyard. And, and like just, you know, they didn't sort of just lay over and say, yes, come, you know, they wanted to know who, why, what, when. Why, why are we doing this? They enjoyed the idea of the story, that how, how we began, our relationship, his uh, sort of real you know, knowledge uh, of wine. And we now have the rosé. So that extension you know, didn't come by accident, but it was just like, wow, actually, this is a really good way to introduce the world to really you know, uh, hidden gems. Mm, and that's actually a route to many other products in the wine world. So have you, uh, do you think, can you see it expanding beyond where you are currently? Yeah, I can, I, we can, we can definitely see it. And we can say that with confidence. You know, one of the things I learned very early on from David is that, look, if we're doing champagne, let's just own the champagne and just do it well. Let's not start talking about cabinets quite yet. And there's a reason for that, you know, which is that the, the industry, you know, uh, they don't really take too kindly to the idea that this brand suddenly has got a lovely champagne and a wonderful gin concept. It sounds okay, but you know, to the real serious, um, you know, people of the industry, that's a little bit of a dilution of the brand. Uh, so we've taken our time with that. Uh, we are still taking our time, but it's definitely an extant expansion. I think now we've told the story of Port Noir as a cabinet. Well, and I think people are getting to gripes that, okay, if it's got the Port Noir door on it, it's going to be good. And it's going to have a good story. Mm. And, and David, uh, how are you thinking potentially about, about how you develop this successful brand? Uh, yeah, well, there's a lot of amazing products and producers. Uh, you know, we, and, and this is basically where we, we brainstorm and, and we drink wine <laughs> together. <laughs> Try things. Um, and then we think at what, you know, works within the cabinet, corresponds to Idris' image, where there's a place, space in the market in terms of product and positioning and marketability, etc. So, uh, you know, we, we, there, will be, there will be space for, for red wine, there will be space for some amazing uh, spirits also. So, yeah, there's, there's still a lot to do. And you have the restaurant, of course, as well. So you, you're kind of, you, you're developing these, uh, these, these brands kind of around pleasure for want of a, a better word this is something you you appear to be doing kind of um at a, at a at a cautious pace yeah yeah there's um a lot of thought timing um avoidance of being called the celebrity brand uh which just take means that we can take our time you know um it's a business that could blow up but blowing up isn't part of our ambition we want to build um, a lifelong respect um, uh, and standard 
for the products. We want people to hinge each bottle or product to a great story. If we expand the bar, the bars right now, we want to do that carefully so that there's a great story as to where and why we do what we do next. Um, but that's definitely considered. You're right, and we we're taking our time. Mm. And your uh, I mentioned some really positive critical reception. Um, you probably more than many people in the wine world are very used to critical reception, dealing with critics. Um, do you think the fact that you kind of have it flying at you? in the acting world as well, kind of helps you in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, um, when you put yourself in the firing line, whether it is being an actor or a producer of uh, consumption products, then you are going to be, you know, criticised. You're going to take that criticism and you're either going to get sharpened by it or it's going to put you on your ass. But, you know, for, for us, it's definitely, you know, we take it uh, in our stride. We learn. Uh, it's... I, I tend not to overread reviews and whatnot because I think that can be distracting. After all, it is someone's opinion, but we certainly, you know, with customers, especially at the, the bar, we take on board what the customers are saying about the experience, about the, 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 the wine, uh, because you know, those people are not here to just critique, they're here to experience. You know, they've heard that I'm involved, they wanna come, they wanna taste. And if they're saying this is shockingly bad, there's a, a reason for it, you know. But if they're really enjoying it, they'll spread the word and it encourages us to, to keep moving. And you're feeling encouraged right now, um, I, I'm guessing. I am, you know, we're, tonight is a very special night for us because we're expanding the cabinet further with our first uh, rosé champagne. It's been a long time in the, in, in the making and it is a really lovely liquid beautiful addition to the cabinet it's also a welcome addition of color mm -hmm. to the cabinet sorry for that um <laughs> and you know we we've seen a, a lot of success with the rosé so it felt right to add the um, rosé champagne to the cabinet have you always been uh, into to rosé be it still wine because obviously you have the provence rosé in the range already you now adding a champagne. Have you always uh, been a, a guy who likes rosé? No, no, no. I haven't been really a, a guy that's been had a, a quiet taste for it. I mean, I, I really like a heavy-bodied red wine, you know, um, and rosé was sort of here or there for me. But that said, you know, over the time period, especially having our own rosé, you get to really understand the subtleties and the taste profiling and you kind of get good from worse. And... and and I was honestly, I'm not just saying this, but the, the, the rosé champagne is definitely up there. Mm. Uh, my actual favourite is the, the, the vintage Grand Cru, um, but the rosé is coming up very close. Next. Yeah, and, and perceptions of rosé, as you're probably aware, as someone who's loved wine for a, a while, perceptions of rosé in my lifetime just completely um, changed. You know, the... the, the uh, uh, I wrote a column a couple of years ago saying it was easier for me to be an out gay man 25 years ago than it was to order a glass of rosé, uh, frankly. And it's true. And it's, but it's um, that, that kind of, um, that, that perception thing. There are totally different kind of drinker going for rosé, anything rosé now, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not being an expert on the trends, but definitely you're seeing this shift in the palate. You know, um, I think what with the sort of, you know, mixology of different types of 
mixing of drinks and alcohol, the rosé palette now has been opened up and people are like, huh, you know, and I definitely feel that's good. And I think it's great, actually, um, because it, it is a, a different type of liquid. It has a, a when it comes to telling stories, it's a different type of story and environment. You might find a rosé, not to be rosé stereotypical, but, mm -hmm. you know, it's usually a summer uh, a summer light wine that actually has lots of good memories attached to it. You know, mm. it's quite celebratory as well. And it, it definitely mm, is popular with the ladies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and how did you go about developing this, this rosé champagne, David? Well, we wanted to show exactly as, as you said, this trend of people taking rosé uh, wine and champagne more seriously. Uh, more uh, as a gastronomic even uh, product which is amazing in terms of food pairing so uh, we wanted something that was like like a serious rosé meaning uh, that can you know stand its ground with amazing food but so we, we worked with, with with our champagne producer Sanger to to reach the blend that we were happy with mm. and it sounds like you're you're, you're very happy very with happy with the hand product yes yeah well it's uh, I'm, I can't wait to, to, to try it you're um uh, Idris, you, you're a, a global name, yet you, you seem very rooted in London. Yeah, um, this is my home. This is where I was born and raised. I've been, I moved to America for about 16 years and it was a really big part of my career um, move, but always been attached to home, London, um, the culture, the arts, um, my family, of course. And, you know, something about being rooted uh, and keeping your feet on the ground, especially in an, a career like mine, is appealing. You know, during the pandemic, when everyone was sat still, I was so happy to have sat still in the place where I grew up. You know, I didn't feel misplaced. And uh, you've enjoyed some real success with this brand already. Um, what's uh, what, what's next? I mean, uh, it sounds like for you, you, you're, you've got plenty more kind of drive there for the for the brand there's definitely you know some plans that we have we've done a good job of sort of you know making this discoverable and fans of it stay with it quite loyal we've grown our footprint um from ju just uk and france to wider uh, around the world and Spain, other parts of Europe. We're looking at the uh, United Arab Emirates uh, soon and hopefully America at some point. So it's definitely a wider distribution footprint. Um, we don't have a, a product on it that's designed for high volume. Mm -hmm. we, we haven't done gone that far yet, but somewhere in the future we might. Because yeah. <laughs> it's nice. But, you know, it might be nice to do a bit of a, a sort of a Port Noir that has a very large footprint and compete with the bigger names. And David, any hints or is it all secret? Uh, no, next? I mean, the, the demand is there. So we're, we're looking at what's possible because we have a lot of requests in the US a lot for the and, and there we need volume. But I, I, as I said, I, I, I love red wine. <laughs> There's something you're not saying, but I think it might be a secret. So uh, yeah, no, but, but I, uh, we're, we're working on a few projects. Yes, yes. All right. Okay. Well, we look forward to that. Final question: um, uh, Anyone who appears on this podcast gets asked for their desert island wine. 
It could be a desert island drink, actually, to be honest. It doesn't have to be a wine, but I'm, I'm guessing it, it might be a, a wine in this context. So if you are stuck on a desert island, uh, you can have a glass of anything. What would, uh, what would it be, Idris? Uh, it's, this is going to, you know, probably everyone's going to turn the podcast off after this, but it probably won't be a wine. Okay, go on. What would it be then? A Nigerian Guinness stout. Wow, well, we've never had that answer before. <laughs> Please don't hate me, but <laughs> yeah, being on a desert island for a long time. I mean, that, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I might leave you on that desert island with your uh, with your Nigerian goodest stout. But uh, listen, congratulations on what you've achieved uh, with the with the, the the brand, and 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 thanks so much for taking the time out. And what's a really uh, busy and exciting night to no, uh, to talk to the drinking hour. No, thanks very much for coming and celebrating tonight with us. <laughs> Idris Elba and David Farber. I can't say I have ever tasted a Nigerian Guinness stout, to be honest, but I have tasted their new Port Noir Petit Port Rosé champagne. Uh, Bottled in 2020, aged for two years in bottle, it's 90% Chardonnay, 10% Pinot Noir. The Chardonnay from uh, De Saisonnay in the Côte de Blanc and the Pinot from Ventouille. That's in the Valley de la Marne. Uh, my own verdict, uh, well, expectations were high as I've tried the vintage champagne and its non-vintage stable mate and also the still Provence Rosé too. All three really standing out for their quality. Uh, the vintage, uh, really exceptional. And the Port Noir Putty Port Rosé didn't disappoint enticing alpine strawberry and raspberry notes on the nose just a hint of uh, autolytic kind of doughy character it's fruit forward driven by a red berry character the fruit quality really evident uh, easy drinking bags of charm and also the finesse that's uh, something of a signature uh, for this range uh, carefully curated um, as i say it's available at tramp and in retail at Harvey Nichols, should you want to sample it yourself. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode, in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits. And we round off, as ever, with a selection of medal winners from the IWSC Hall of Fame. And let's begin with a gold medal winning Brute Champagne that was served at the IWSC Awards recently. Uh, just a week ago. Uh, It's delicious, representing one of the very best available in uh, mainstream retail, I think. Piper Heidsek, Brute Non-Vintage, was awarded a gold with 95 points. Uh, The renowned sparkling wine critic Essie Avalan, MW, was leading the judging process. Uh, She's a formidable judging presence. And here's what that panel said. A focused red fruit profile with clean flavours of red apple and raspberry. Densely fruited, the palate is balanced with light brioche notes and a creamy mousse which lingers on the finish. A bright, delicate and well-crafted champagne, they said. Here's a different sparkler from the very upper echelons of Prosecco this time. Bisol, 1542, dry, 2022 from Valdobiadene Superiore di Cartizze. It won a gold medal with 95 points. Sarah Abbott, MW, in charge of this judging process. The judges including Eric Zwiebel, a master sommelier, Andrew Johnson, 
Maggie McPherson and our friend Freddie Bulmer from the Wine Society. Uh, They praised the unpretentious, delicate perfume of white fruit flesh and green fruit peel, saying the mousse is unrestrained and joyful. There's freshness across the palate showing sweet almond, lemon and hints of chalk. Sweet notes are well balanced. Good length to the finish. To Georgia next. Here's a gold medal winner which added a trophy representing best in show after a tasting of all the gold medal winners held at the end of September. I was lucky enough to be there as one of the trophy judges. Akido Mukuzani 2021, 100% Saparavi from Kakheti. Uh, Mukuzani is a sub-regional microzone of Kakheti. The judges said this, an attractive nose of wild red flowers, violet and dark black fruit notes. The bold style has excellent concentration and silky black cherry character. The tannins are ripe and polished with a lovely silky feel. And George's wines will be judged in situ uh, this year in Kakheti at the end of next month for the 2024 uh, competition process. And I shall be there. Next, it's to Austria. Its wines were judged in situ as well on the shores of Lake Neusiedl earlier this year. And the medal winners were recently shown at a London tasting. And I was at that tasting and indeed I was a judge in situ too. And here's one of those uh, gold medal winning wines from a grape variety that I really love. Uh, Sigut Lench Reserve Saint Laurent from 2020 awarded 95 points. Here's the tasting note, intense and complex nose showing clear black fruit characteristics with overall compote and ripe notes where strawberry and cinnamon dominate. Dense fruit on the palate with charred wood notes combining with refreshing acidity and silky tannins showing the wine's complexity. And here's another gold medal winner from that tasting, judged in situ uh, to round off, uh, Weingut Horst and George Schmelzer, Weissburgunder, Eiswein, 2012. 95 points for this. The tasting note, lifted aromas showing lots of fruit and concentration on this wine. Golden apple, tangerine skin, honey and vanilla notes shining through on the nose and palate. Good concentration on that palate, plenty of refreshing acidity combining with sweetness and intensity. There we go. Lovely way to round off. That's it for another edition of The Drinking Hour, the start of Series 12. And what a start with Idris Elba. My thanks to him and also, of course, David Farber. And thank you to you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and do join us again next time. The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the lens of wine and spirits. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.